Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm so glad that you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with knowledge that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. I had a question for you. Are you a super saver? Are you a mega saver? I want to share with you a couple of key choices you can make in your life that will, in fact, empower you to have more control over your financial future. And speaking of choice, you're going to see a lot over the next many months. With websites giving you a lot of choices, they're not doing it to be your friend. They're going to try to trick you with what some people in tech call dark patterns, what you need to know to protect yourself from websites taking advantage of you. And before I get to all the stuff we're going to talk about, your questions, I want to remind you, speaking of questions, our Consumer Action Center, our team Clark, is there to serve you five days a week, providing one-on-one advice, information, and guidance for free. If you want that one-on-one advice, go to clark.com slash C-A-C for details. So I have lived my life as a super saver and a mega saver. If you know my backstory, for people who don't know, I'll be very brief. My father lost his job when I was a teenager. I thought we were living a really, really fancy life that we were, that my parents we're loaded with money and all that. But when my dad lost his job, I had just gotten into college. I was in college and I was home for Thanksgiving and he told me that there was uh, likely not any money for me to continue college. And I was like, what? And in that era, college was a lot cheaper. And I went to a school that mostly had night students. So I switched starting the next semester to be a night student. And then I got a full-time job. And in that era, I was able to pay my own costs, my own tuition. Something that would be extremely difficult today. But it changed me. And fortunately, my parents got back on their feet after about two years. But what it did for me was it taught me that I was never going to be in a position where I didn't have a good cushion in my life. And I resolved that out of college, I would live on every other paycheck. And so right off the bat, I was living off of half of my net pay. And that was something I continued through my 20s, starting my own business with the money I'd saved, and then was able to amazingly retire at 31. And when I went back to work for fun later in my 30s, I started saving 70% of my pay because I had no meaningful expenses. And so I've been in a position where uh, I originally was in talk radio 
and it's a pretty risky profession. And I was saying things like I say now, knowing that any one day I could say something that would get me fired, and I didn't care because I knew I had financial independence before that term existed. Well, what I have done with my life is extreme, but there are lots of people who live on substantially less than what they make. And there's two things that are totally consistent in them that were written up in a story on CNBC based on research by a financial outfit, that there are two things far and above the others that are two characteristics of people who are able to live on less than what they make. And when I tell you these two, you say, well, gosh, that makes sense. You needed a survey to tell you that. But our mentality, our psychology, our behavior takes us so often in American culture down a different path. Number one thing, number one thing that people do who save a lot of money is they drive old jalopies. And you'll hear people on this podcast, you'll hear where they say, well, my car is now 23 years old. And I was thinking maybe it's time for me to have a new one. Maybe. That's a different than normal American mentality, right? Number one trait of someone who lives on less than what they make is they don't give in to new car smell. Number two thing, and this dovetails exactly with a groundbreaking research project that became a a best-selling book a generation ago, The Millionaire Next Door, Living in a Modest Home or Modest Housing. That is the second most common attribute. And so think about how much sense this makes. Housing, the number one expense most of us have in our lives. Vehicles, cars, automobiles, trucks, SUVs, whatever, number two largest expense we have in our lives. And the latest data, your car is costing you over $1,000 a month now if you have a newer vehicle. So remember these two things. Because, yeah, we can talk about how much money you'd save if you drink tap water instead of bottled water. And we can talk about how much money you save if you break your Starbucks habit, and how much money you save doing these various things. And they do make a difference in your life, but they're not the big difference. The big difference is the big ongoing costs you have in your life. Yes, you can create more financial security where you don't have financial security right now by attacking your monthlies, and I talk about that. But the people who year in and year out regardless of their income, regardless of what they do for a job, the people who end up the most financially secure are people who the way they handle money starts from a base of not throwing a lot of money at vehicles and two, not throwing a lot of money at where they put a roof over their head. Krista? I'm I see feeling you have- guilty. You have your Starbucks right now. I treated myself today. Let's see. How much was your... It doesn't say on there. Americano. It was... It was, it was $8.27. That's looked, right here. I, no, I just looked it up. <laughs> I did get a venti today, too, because I was tired. It was $4.59. Venti means in 
The biggest. Starbucks speak. It means the biggest one. So tall means small. Tall means small. Grande means medium. Yep. What would be wrong with calling it small, medium, and large? I don't know. Would they have to sell it for less if they Maybe, didn't use yeah. It's fancier. silly terms? Saying I'd like a venti. Okay. Tom in Michigan wrote in, I think you're going to like this one, Clark. I am a Navy veteran. Thank you for your service. Semi-retired and working part-time at Costco. Your now, dream. Yeah. I mean, what a great life you have. <laughs> serving your country in the Navy and serving your fellow American working at Costco. What could be better? I do not have any debt and I have about $18,000 in a high yield checking account. I'm enrolled in Costco's Roth 401k. However, Costco also offers a stock purchase plan whereby an employee can contribute up to $10,000 per paycheck, which is taxable. Since one investment is taxable and the other is not Should I contribute to both or consider opening another Roth IRA at a brokerage firm? So I don't like for people to have their assets tied up, their savings or investments tied up in their employer. Now, I have no problem with you having a small position in your employer stock, in this case, Costco. And Costco, if you look back historically, has done phenomenally. But there's nothing about the first 40 years of Costco's existence that says that the next 40 are going to be good. Just because they've been great in the past doesn't mean it's going to be good in the future. And people tend to have a sense that they've got superior knowledge about a stock in a company they work for. So having a small position in Costco stock is fine because you're diversified in other ways, no debt. You're doing the, the Roth 401k. If I was going to do more, though, than just a small amount in Costco stock, I would do a Roth IRA in addition to what you're already doing in the Roth 401k with the company and do that Roth IRA with one of the low-cost companies, one of my favorite children that are on our investment guide at Clark.com. Got to be very careful with brokerage houses because brokerage houses typically are not fiduciaries They do uh, pretty much the opposite of what's best for you, what would be being a fiduciary. Ted in New Mexico says, I want to buy a used pickup truck, yet I have no mechanical knowledge that allows me to make an informed decision on the purchase. What is the best way for me to ensure that the truck I like is sound? Do I have to drive each one of them to a mechanic and keep paying $100 to $200 to have it inspected if the seller allows me to do that? Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. You pay the 100 to $200. I remember, Christy, probably 20 years ago, you were buying a used car. Mm-hmm. And it was one that you had always been interested in, but knew it was out of your price range. And do I remember you went through having four of them that you paid the inspection fee first I before think so. the fifth one was yeah. good? Yeah, absolutely. And then like other, I remember I, there were a few calls where people hung up on me when I asked for the VIN. <laughs> I remember you were telling that uh, on our radio show at that time when we did radio about people hanging up on you when you asked for the VIN. So yes, I know it's frustrating to let's say time and time again, you spend the time, you spend the money to have it inspected. But if you think about the cost of a truck, even a used one, as expensive as it is, it's really inexpensive money 
if you end up spending 100 to $200 to avoid trouble. So that's exactly what I would want you to do. Robert in Georgia says, I want to cancel my Delta American Express Reserve card, which has a high annual fee because it, its use will no longer help me get Delta medallion status under the new rules. However, I'm concerned about how it will affect my credit score because the card has a high credit limit, which helps me boost my credit score. Is it worth keeping? All right. So Robert, you're in Georgia. You obviously fly Delta a lot. Their main hub in Atlanta you have the $550 annual fee card? For that purple one, yeah, I think there was $550 card that was giving you your path to high status on Delta, not going to work anymore. You have to charge, is it 700000 a year for the card to get you to high status on Delta? Really? It's wow. some some unbelievable number under the new system. I think wow. it's seven hundred thousand. My gosh! I mean, it's it's like your kind of territory. Oh yeah. Spending. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, um, I wouldn't want you to completely ditch having a Delta American Express card. I think it would make sense for you to go down annual fee to the Delta Gold version. It'll still get you the discount on mileage redemptions and get you the free bag and stuff like that. But we'll have a much, much lower annual fee, and you'll no longer be on that treadmill trying to get to status that you're just not going to get anymore under the new Delta rules. And that will help you with your flying with Delta, and it will help you by preserving your credit standing because you're not going to eliminate the credit limit that you have available And American Express right now is hearing from a lot of people in the Sky Miles program that are trading down or up. There are people who fly Delta a lot. They're saying, hey, wait a minute. For me, it's going to work to go to the zillion dollar annual fee, Delta won the purple card. And then other people like you saying, I'm never going to get any status. I need to give this the heave ho. And so they're prepared to work with you on giving you a different card It will also tie in with Delta, but will cost you a whole lot less. Coming up ahead, I want to talk again. I haven't talked in like six months about dark patterns, how they're popping up right now, and what you need to be aware of when websites are asking you questions and trying to trick you into saying yes when you should be saying no. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're going to talk about an industry term, dark patterns, which, as I mentioned earlier, I talked about about, I think about six months ago, and they're much more present right now in your life online than they are historically. And this is when you're on an app or you're on a website and they're trying to get you to agree to things that you don't even realize you agreed to. The most common dark pattern thing that we hear about, and it's more like an umbrella term for, hey, we woke up today and we're going to figure out how to cheat you. Most common one that we historically have heard about is when you sign up for a free trial and then you can't get them to stop charging you once the supposed free trial period is over. When I see something that's a free trial, do you know when I sign up for it? I don't. I don't. The only exception that I will ever make is if there's a free trial that requires no form of payment and no commitment, and that I would have to decide later if I want to use the service and positively sign up for it affirmatively Instead of having to jump through so many hoops because they had me register, they got a form of payment and all that. And after I talked about that half a year ago, we had two people say, hey, the way to do this is you use a stored value card that has like no money on it. Give them that number. And then when they try to hook you in to uh, expensive commitment, they got nothing because they have a card that has no money on it. And that's another way to handle it. But I prefer just not to do any free trial period that involves that I put in a form of payment because nothing good comes out of that. And often you have a really, really hard time terminating that when you want to do that. And that's considered to be another symptom of what's referred to under this umbrella of dark patterns is that Companies make it really easy for you to sign up for something on their app or on their website, but make it nearly impossible for you to stop it. My wife had something she signed up for that auto renews every year, and she can't get anybody to answer the phone. There's a phone number to call to talk to them about discontinuing, and you call and you're put on hold. Then after a period of time, It just hangs up on you every single time. There's no place to send an email, no place to send a text. And this stuff happens in different ways to all of us. It's so frustrating. Right now, the big thing that's going on is because of new laws that have popped up different places where you are now having to say, again, if you're accepting a company's terms of service, or the different ways they spy on you or use your information. The thing that the people in this area consider to be a dark pattern is when you go in and you make choices and you say, don't share this, don't do that, don't do this with my information, don't sell it to advertisers, whatever it is, and you check all those things and then you go to the next screen, the button you think you're hitting is adopting the choices you made. But the way these are set up when companies actually don't want you to establish new privacy in your life, 
you're clicking a button that does the opposite, that accepts the defaults, which is them doing all the spying on you and selling off your information and making it available to other companies and affiliated entities, blah, 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 blah. So be very, very careful with these pop-ups now that are requiring you to reestablish your permissions. And when you check those blocks to block all the sharing, make sure that the next thing you click is adopting the choices you've made instead of doing exactly the opposite by using words and the way the box is set up to manipulate. I know, Krista, you zone out, tune out on all those things. I'm actually doing them all right now. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm every one of them that's popping up right now, I'm saying no, 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 no. And the only thing I'll let them have is stuff that is required for the site to operate for me. But all the other choices, I'm saying no. Okay. I'll have to be more patient it's with that. It's not your thing. I should take the time. It's something no, we can no, always that's, improve. That's a should. No, no should messages okay. here. Okay. All right. It's what you want to do. Kate in Texas says, we live in South Texas. My son has arthritis. Sorry about that. Yes. Two specialists recommended he swim regularly. We are considering putting in a pool. We got a quote for a pool for $95,000. We paid $330,000 cash for our house three years ago, and it's worth around four hundred k now. The houses in our neighborhood go for three fifty dollars to $400,000, and over half have pools. We would pay cash for the pool. Should we put one in? All right, so I don't know your son. The first question is, based on his personality, his age, would he do the swimming that the specialists recommend, that the rehab or PT individuals recommend? If he would, then that's a step in the direction of putting in the pool. Another consideration is, depending on the culture of the buyer in the area where your home is, a pool can either subtract from the value of the house, even after you've spent all the money to put one in, or it can be neutral or add to the value of the house. You need an opinion from real estate agents who specialize, who are what are called farmers, who you see their signs again and again in your neighborhood or area to find out does a pool limit the buyers for your home or does it enhance the value and their opinion in your area? I think that's important. And also, don't you think it's a factor that over half the other homes in the neighborhood have pools? Like maybe it's common enough to know It that- is common enough, but that still doesn't answer because South Texas, it's very hot in the summer. It'd be a common occurrence that a house would have a pool. But still, overall in the country, a pool at a house gets you less money for a house than a house without a pool. But because of the temperature conditions in the area and the housing culture of the area, that's why you talk to the agents because the pool may actually add some value to the home. But then there's something else. You have one quote. That quote is for a huge amount of money. And I think it makes sense for you to get additional quotes. If the pool is to be a therapeutic pool, it doesn't have to be an expensive pool. It can be, what do they call those reverse current pools? You know what those are? Where, oh, yeah. Where they're very small and it's just for getting exercise. Those are 
a tiny fraction of the cost you're talking about here. So I'd say there's more for you to consider. And one thing you didn't put in your question is you'd really love to have a pool just anyway. If that's part of the consideration, then that's an important factor that's not in the question you asked. And you could pay cash for it. And if you're going to be there a long time, right? Okay. Logan, also in Texas, says, what is your opinion on shipping insurance when purchasing goods from online merchants? Oh, this is, a, this is a sore spot for me you're bringing up. I've recently seen a large increase in the number of merchants who are using Root or other competitors and making the shipping insurance a fee that the customer has to pay on top of shipping. The merchants claim that because they offer this service, in quotes, they are not responsible for lost or damaged items. The way that I see it, the merchant is responsible for this is they are ultimately the customer of the shipping company rather than the consumer. Is this a ripoff or am I just out of the loop No, this is a ripoff. This is a ripoff. This one just annoys me no end. Now, let's look at it from the standpoint of the merchant. Merchants are really being hurt. Their profits are being decimated by returns just generally. And then second, damaged goods, lost goods are just eroding the profits of merchants. That part of being a consumer buying from an online seller is being able to buy with peace of mind and customer assurance that everything's going to be okay. I find that putting the shoe on the other foot and saying, you're the recipient of something, you had no control over how it's getting to you, and saying you're responsible for whatever damage happens to the goods, you're responsible for items that get lost or stolen in the delivery process, unless you pay an additional fee, I don't like that at all, and I'm with you, and that's a merchant I'd pass on buying from. Jeremy in Tennessee says, I've been listening to you since grad school, and you have changed my life. You helped me contact my state representative and got legislation passed protecting the credit of minors before it was a thing. I remember that. Yeah. I recently begrudgingly installed Venmo on my phone for convenience and because some of our after-school programs prefer it to other methods. I just noticed Venmo has a credit card that can be attached to your account in lieu of a bank account. I've waited my 30 days after creating my account to be eligible, and I'm thinking about trying this method. The card also gives cash back on Venmo transactions. Does this change your guidance on using Venmo and potentially make the platform a safer pay alternative once attached to the credit card? I'm happy to be the Clarky pig on this one and give you feedback if I pull the trigger. So, Jeremy, I would not say that's going to make it safer because a lot of uh, credit card issuers consider a transaction on Venmo being almost like a cash advance where you'd have no normal consumer protections, not like a purchase. My wife has a Venmo account because so many of the stuff that goes on with our son's school we have to pay by Venmo, you know, something another parent will be collecting money for, and they don't want checks or anything else now. They want to be paid by Venmo. And so what my wife did was she has Venmo set up to a separate account at a separate institution, online institution. And so the only money that's at risk is the small amount she has in there for Venmo transactions. And I think that remains the safest way to do so. I don't think the credit card makes Venmo a safer thing for you to do. And remember, if you're ever asked to pay anybody by Zelle, if you're ever asked to activate Zelle, the answer is no, never, not ever, until Zelle 
implements the consumer protections that were promised almost a year ago now and still haven't happened. And because of technical and structural reasons, the architecture of Zell, it's even more dangerous for you and your family, your household, than Cash App or Venmo, which aren't exactly consumer protection prizes either. It's just Zelle is much, much worse. And with that, it is time for the Clarky of the Day. Let's hear from Joanne. Uh, hello, Jim Clark. Hello, Clark, Krista, and the team. I do consider myself a Clarky. You've helped me several times, and I've called the Consumer Action Center before, and they're very helpful. Um, I prefer the Team Clark versus Clarky, but that's just me because I think, you know, you have a whole team, obviously, and then we're also a part of your team. And I'd say I'm a Clarky because when I have a hard time falling asleep at night, I do turn on your podcast, and it only takes about 10 minutes before, uh, I don't know if I said, Joanne from Virginia is asleep. And Clarky, it's because your voice is so sweet. You and Christy are so kind. You know, your, your heart just flows through the podcast and it just puts me at peace and I fall asleep. So I want to say I greatly appreciate you and go team Clark. Bye. Thank you so much for that. And I've always said that I am the perfect cure for insomnia and you don't have any side effects like you do with a prescription sleeping pill because I can make anybody fall asleep, right? No. Right away. Um, and isn't it funny because Krista's the boss. If you don't know, she's the boss because I agree with you that Team Clark was what we should have called it. But Krista. You liked was, Clarky more than anything and then other people. I wanted to be your member of the Clark Squad. Clark Squad. I don't know. I, I like Team Clark. We're all Clark. part we've of used, Team Clark, though. We've used Team Clark so yeah. long for 30 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, Clarkies yeah. are a member of Team Clark. How's that? <laughs> Whatever you say, because you are the boss. Well, if you if you want to leave a Clarkie of the day, just call this number and leave a message, 404-981-2071. And regardless of what we call it, what we're about is you learning ways to save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Have a great day. <laughs>